I have been, uh, we have been on holidays for a couple of weeks. I've been thinking about new sermon series. That's what preachers do when they go on holidays. It's like the captain of the ship. You never leave the ship. The ship's always in between your ears all the time. Don't know why, just always is there. So I'm not going to even tell you, but I think I've come up with a couple of stellar ideas. For the fall, though, for the fall, yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, speak today on uh, free and alive, free and alive. And just before we do that, I wanted to mention today, we have, uh, us, uh, Helen and I, have a couple of special guests, a family that is visiting us for a few days, and I just wanted to, to say uh, a howdy-doody to them. They are right down here. Not that, uh, it's, it's Gary and uh, Lisa Pelton. And I think the kids just went, to, oh, no, no, only you. Okay, yeah. Okay, so they have a, a Daniel and Abigail are their two kids, and they are with us, and uh, say hello to them after they came all the way from North Carolina. Yeah. I think it was 90 when they left and 90 when they arrived. You guys picked the wrong week to come if you were looking for a, a cooler break. Come in January and you'll know, yeah. But uh, anyway, welcome. We're, we're thrilled to have you guys with us. Free and alive. Uh, if you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2. If you don't, it's on the screen. Uh, I want to begin uh, reading at verse 6. It says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure, but Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. It's a, a, an amazing chunk of Scripture an amazing chunk of scripture that I want to just look at a, uh, a little bit today. Freedom is a big deal today. Have you noticed? Everybody screams it. Freedom and the ability to live and do what I want. It's a high priority for people, a huge priority for us in this day. And it got me thinking, would you actually, though, consider yourself to be a free person? And what does that really mean? We live in the land, of course, in, in North America, really, where we enjoy more freedom than a lot of the world does. That's for sure. But are we really free? Are we really living alive? 
Are we spiritually free is my point. Are we living the way that Jesus intends? Do we have it all? Or is there more than this? You know, uh, we can come to church. We can be good Christians. We can study the Bible. We, we can do all the right things. And we can go through the motions. And, and, and we can go through life, actually. And it looks like we're alive. But on the inside, we don't feel it. Don't raise your hand, but there's times in our lives when that's true. It reminded me of uh, Revelation 3, uh, verse 1. Have you put it up for me? When um, the angel was given a message to the church and said, write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is, this is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. This is not spoken to people who need the Lord, who are lost, who are deep, you know, forgotten sinners. This is a message given to the church in Sardis saying, listen, I know you're coming to church, you're doing the right things, you're trying your best, but I know people think you're alive, but I know, I see it. I, I know that you're feeling dead on the inside. You're not really free. I have more than this for you, right? We don't want just the reputation of being alive, correct? We want to be alive, right? We want to truly be alive. And so uh, in my prep this week, I, was, I read, I read uh, this guy who said there's, there's four big ingredients that are needed in a person's life if they're truly going to be free, Four ingredients, and he, he said this. Number one, he said, uh, you, you have to deal with your past and deal with negative memories of your failures. He said, you can't be free unless you do that. Number two, he said, you have to have experienced forgiveness, and you must be free from guilt, shame, and self-condemnation. You can't experience freedom and truly be alive unless... You've, you've experienced this. Three, he said, you must to experience freedom, you must break all bonds, all ties to compulsive or addictive patterns in your life. If you are addicted, you are not free, is his point. And so to anything, right? To anything. So he says, this is a, this is a, a really important point. And the last thing he said, point number four, is uh, to be free and alive, you have to be set free from listening to the negative opinions and the criticism that people will lay at your door. That might be the hardest one of all. You know, I'm standing up, you're judging me right now. You're going to walk out and you're going to say, was that sermon good or not? And it's going to crush me if you said it was bad. No, I'm free today. I've long, if you can like it or lump it, I'm still going to do it. So that, but, but this is, but you know, you know what I'm saying, though, right? There, there is a sense in us that, you know, they say that it takes, uh, I think, a minimum of eight positive comments to negate the one negative comment. So you come to church, and somebody says, oh, you look really nice today. Oh, you look really nice today. Oh, you look really nice today. And someone goes, man, I don't like that dress. Those shoes are hideous. You walk home. You drive home. What do you think about? The 10 people that said you looked nice 
or the one person who was rude and said they didn't like your shoes. You know, it sticks to us like glue, this stuff. And so he's saying to, to really be free and alive, you've got to have these four ingredients. You've got to have dealt with your past and the negativity associated to it. You, you've got to experience forgiveness and to give forgiveness, right, is also, that's tied in there as well. You can be forgiven, but if you don't forgive, you're not free. Did you know that? Right? You know, someone who, you know, have you ever had somebody hurt you and they didn't even know they did? That ever happened to you? Right? And so you walk away with the pain, the hurt, the anger, the frustration of that. That person is living free, right? They did the deed that hurt you. You're the one who's suffering for it. So sometimes freedom is not just receiving freedom, but sometimes you must, you, uh, to be free, sorry, it's not just receiving forgiveness, you must give forgiveness to be free. It frees you, and that's the point. So you've got to deal with your past, you've got to experience forgiveness, you have to break all bonds of addiction, and fourth, he says, you have to be set free from listening to the negative opinions and the criticism of people. Constructive criticism is one thing. He's talking about negative, cynical, nasty criticism that doesn't make you better right? So those are the four things. And I, as I was reading that, I, I thought of this passage in Colossians because this passage actually answers some of those questions. In fact, a lot of them it does. This kind of freedom that, that I'm talking about today, it can only come through a relationship with Jesus. You can't get it any other way. People will find freedom from all sorts of things. It's true. But you can never get spiritually free until you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you are, I am, we are slaves, Paul says. The Bible says it clearly. We're slaves to sin. We are ensnared, trapped. That there is, there is something in us that shouldn't be. We are slaves to sin. We are slaves to that old nature. And and, and until we're transformed by Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit living inside, we can't ever truly be spiritually free. See, we believe this is possible. Do you believe this is possible? Right? We are free in Jesus. Come on now, help me out. Right? We believe it's possible. We know it's possible. But yet, we know that there are many believers who are not free who are not free. You may be feeling that today, here, sitting in this room today. There are many of us who still struggle with addiction, many of us who still struggle with bitterness, with unforgiveness, many of us struggle with anger issues, many of us struggle with lust, guilt from our past, and, and, and the, the list is long. Many more things, right? We are not free. But these verses remind us of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross so that we can be free. Freedom is yours in Christ. And it's about time that we took it, accepted it, lived it, and walked it. Someone said amen. It is ours. It is ours in Christ. So first he says, he forgave all our sins. I'll put up for me 2.13, Colossians 2.13. It says, you were dead because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave what? All. Some? 
Just the easy ones? No. All our sins. All. See, sin is like, it's like a poison. It's, it's like a contaminant, a, a disease, a virus that infects us. And God's forgiveness comes in like a medicine that brings healing and hope and life and freedom into our lives. And one of the four points of freedom I just mentioned is that we need to experience forgiveness and have dealt with our guilt from the past and our shame. We all have done things in the past that, that we're not proud of right? I mean, if we were to examine your life carefully and next Sunday we put up all your dirty deeds on the screen for everybody to see, that probably wouldn't be a pleasant experience. Well, maybe for us, but maybe not for you, right? Right? We all have those things that, we, that, that we're not proud of. And, and we have to experience forgiveness. We have to deal with our past, the guilt and the shame that gets associated to some of our mistakes from, from, from uh, before we knew Christ even. See, people can't really be free without experiencing forgiveness for themselves. You can't be free unless you experience forgiveness. And you can't be free unless you offer forgiveness to others. It goes both ways. It flows both ways to you and to others. And you must have both to be truly free. Jesus even said it in the Lord's Prayer. People don't get it, but it's right there in the Lord's Prayer. He said, forgive us our, what? Trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? He's saying, you want to be free? Your trespasses must be forgiven, and you must forgive the trespasses of those who have done things to you. They will keep you bound up if you don't deal with that and, and, and experience the forgiveness and the release of guilt. See, the forgiveness that's offered by God, it's one of the most beautiful, it's one of the most profound, one of the most comforting doctrines, actually, in all of the Bible when you think about it. Like, in fact, the more you think about it, the better it actually becomes. Just think about it for a moment with me. Like, do we deserve his mercy? No, let me answer it for you. Do you deserve his grace? No. Do you deserve heaven? No, we, we don't, right? Do we deserve his favor? No, do we deserve his abundance, his power, his blessing, his wisdom, all the things that, that he gives us even now? No, we don't deserve any of it, but we get it as children of the Most High. It is yours today. You have been given grace, undeserved favor, undeserved salvation, undeserved wisdom, undeserved blessing. We don't deserve it, but yet it's ours. He has forgiven us and set us free. Start thinking how great that is, right? You don't deserve it, but it's yours as a child of God. While we were still sinners, says God sent Jesus, right, to die in our place. That this amazing exchange happens, right? Where we give him all of our sin and he gives us all of his righteousness. We are wrapped in the robe of righteousness, the Bible says, right? We are covered. We are set free. It is exactly the prescription that we sinners need to be healed and to become really free and alive. It is what we need. We can't be free, really free, 
without forgiveness. And God gives us more than we could ever imagine. And then, of course, he helps us to offer that forgiveness to those who have trespassed against us. You see, he said, you have been forgiven much. Now, go forgive much. Right? This is a step in freedom. Not just that you're forgiven, but that you forgive. It will hold you captive until you let it go. So he forgave all of our sins. And now he helps us to forgive others. And I know what people say every time we talk about forgiveness. It's always like, they don't deserve it. They're not even sorry. True. But it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, it's actually not even about them, is it? If you're going to be free, you need to give it to them. Because it's, it's setting your heart free so that you can live you can live alive and free. So he's rich in mercy, the Bible says, rich in mercy. And anyone who believes and receives his forgiveness is adopted into his family. Look at uh, Colossians 2.12, put that up for me. It says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life. So we were buried with him, we were raised with him, and we were made alive with him. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have eternal life. And being made alive involves forgiveness. Receiving it and giving it. We are free from our past. You are free from your past. Don't let it cling to you like glue. He is the solvent that can remove it off your soul. He is the one. God has forgiven us. And it's time, by the way, that you forgive yourself. Sometimes God forgives us and we haven't forgiven ourselves yet. We're hanging on to it and God says, I've forgotten all about it. It's time. So stop letting the enemy use your past, use your shame, use the mistakes that you've done. Join the club, join the world. We all have them. We all have that skeleton in our closet. We all have things we're ashamed of, things we've said, things we've done. Oh, if we could only reverse time and go back and redo that. There's a million of those things in my life. I talk all the time. You know how many times you make a mistake and go, oh, I wish I could have just not said that right? It happens to us all. People don't live free, and we can. And the enemy uses our past, and it's time to stop him from stopping us. He keeps us from moving ahead. Look at a couple of scriptures. Isaiah 1 uh, verse 18. It says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Let's settle this. I love that. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Settled. Psalm 103, verse 12. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 says, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sin. He is a God who forgives all our sin. All our sin. And it's time, folks, that we live free 
and stop letting our guilt and shame and baggage from the past stop us and hinder us from receiving what God has for us now. This is truth. It's truth today. I didn't say it. He said it. He said your past is gone. It's forgotten. I've forgiven. He said, it's settled. Let's settle. You're red. I'm going to make you white. It's settled. It's over. He is, he is the God who forgives us. And it's time that we received it in Jesus' name. He forgives all your sin. Second, in, uh, put up for me uh, verse uh, 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. So here's what this passage is saying. First, he says he forgave all your sin. The second one is he canceled all your debt. He canceled all your debt. Okay, so just think about this for a moment. How much joy, how much freedom would it bring into your life if I told you today that I was going to pay off all your debts? Student debt, mortgage. Who has debt in this place? Come on. You got something that you owe, okay? If you came up to me today and I said, just come. Doesn't matter the amount. Doesn't matter what it's for. Just tell me the amount and I'm going to pay it all off for you. You'd walk out feeling pretty darn good. Right? He canceled our debt. Do you understand? It was this custom, by the way, in the Roman world that when a person was found guilty of a crime and they were put into prison, uh, they would nail what they would call a certificate of debt uh, above the door to the cell. And on that certificate of debt was written what the crime uh, was that the person had committed and how long the person was required to stay in prison. It was right there on your certificate of debt, uh, certificate of debt hanging off your prison door. And when the time was up, though, here's the good news. When the time was up, the certificate of debt was marked paid in full. They would write, they would scratch it out and write across it, paid in full. And you would actually get that, that certificate of debt to carry out with you. So if anybody accused you of that crime later on, you could pull out the certificate and say, yes, I was guilty, I did do the crime, I did do the time, and now I am Paid in full. Just a stamp on it. Paid in full. And I, I mean, I just want you to be encouraged today. It's summer and it's hot, so be encouraged today. The enemy is a defeated foe. You have been paid in full. Do you understand? You think you would celebrate. See, we're, our, our brains are so wired to think of the temporary and the material that you will, people get more joy out of saying, I'll pay for your mortgage. I'll pay off your student debt. And we don't get that the bigger debt has been paid. It's, it's the eternal debt. It's the debt that we could never pay. The debt that we would never be able to handle. You know, he paid a debt. Come on. He did not owe, right? I owed a debt. I could not pay. That's right. To wash my sins away. Hey, we're showing our age when we know that song. Yeah. Look, he paid the debt. I know it too. And now I sing a brand new song. I know it. I know it. Don't think I I, I remember. Okay, but here it is. He paid a debt. He canceled the debt. 
So when the enemy comes reminding you of your past, your guilt, your shame, your mistakes, you can say, I have been united in Christ, buried with Him, raised with Him, given new life. My debt, yes, I was in debt. Yes, my certificate is there. But guess what it says now? Paid in full. This is what it is. This is who we are. And we walk around pretending that we're not victors. And we are. I hate losing. Why lose when we win, when we are winners? He wins. It's not because of us. It's not because of our goodness, not because of our strength. It is by His Spirit that we experience goodness, freedom, deliverance. We can be forgiven and can offer forgiveness. We can understand that, uh, that our debt has been paid. We are free today. Do you understand? You are free today in Jesus Christ. You are sinners, lawbreakers. We were that. You know, when the Bible says many of you were like that, right? The, the, you know, the adulterers, the sinners, the blah, blah, blah. You, we were. We all were. We were the sinners. We were the lawbreakers. We did have a certificate of debt hanging over our prison door. But we did the time when we, our time ended when Jesus walked in and blasted our prison doors open and said, walk out free, child of God. Here's your certificate of debt. When the enemy reminds you, just flash it and say, paid in full. This is who we are. And we still walk around thinking. What they used to call that? Stinking thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Our debt has been canceled. Jesus canceled our debt. He took it away. The Bible says, by, Paul says, by, he nailed it to the cross. Our own certificate now reads, paid in full. Your debt is gone. If you would celebrate all of your financial debt being removed, this is an even greater celebration. Having all your spiritual debt wiped clean should bring absolute freedom. It should bring gratitude. It should bring joy into our lives. People getting saved and having their debt removed is still the greatest miracle there is. We pray for people to be healed. We pray for finances and relationships and bodies to be healed. We do all that and believe God and see some of it happening. But never forget that the greatest miracle is somebody's spiritual debt being paid in full. The, it, is the, it is the gift that lasts for eternity. Even if you're physically healed, we're still going to die. Even if the relationship is healed, one day we're still going to face death. Death is the ultimate call that's on our life, right? But so when Jesus says, I have defeated death, when the debt is canceled, that is a party. Do you, what does the Bible say? It says, every time a sinner gets saved, what do they do? They rejoice in heaven. Why? Because they know. Because they know the debt has been paid and the person has been set free and that is worth celebrating. Heaven celebrates it. And why shouldn't we? We get more joy out of somebody picking up, picking up our mortgage, which would be a really great blessing. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I, you could pick up mine, I, you know, like... This is the greater blessing. The greater blessing. People getting saved and having their debt removed. 
So all of heaven will rejoice when a sinner, every time a sinner gets saved. I just want us just be reminded today, it's a profound miracle. Like, it is a profound miracle. And that you are, are, are the benefactor of something that is absolutely eternal. The eternal consequence of having your debt removed can never even be explained in this life. Wayne Shank is enjoying it right now. And one great day we will join him and be together. But there is something so powerfully profound about that that we lose it sometimes. We, we lose the, the impact of it. But our debts are paid by the sacrifice of Jesus, paid in full. So lastly, so, so he says he forgave all our sin. Two, he says he, he canceled all of our debt. And third, he says he defeated the enemy. Look at verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 15. It says, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. See, Jesus not only dealt with our sin, he not, he, he not only you know, canceled our debt, but the last step, Paul says, is remember this, is he actually conquered Satan as well. He's a defeated foe. See, the cross may look like defeat to some, but we know that it was, it was an utter, total, complete, crushing victory for the good guys, right? The enemy was defeated and done away with. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, it says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Really cool scripture. See, the power of the enemy has been broken over the lives of those who have trusted, entrusted themselves to Jesus. He won the battle on the cross. He's given us the Holy Spirit to now be our guide, to live in us, to empower us, to guide us, to strengthen us. He's our guide now who leads us to the, what? Truth. He leads us to the truth. It's one of the things that Holy Spirit does. He is, yes, our comforter, our teacher, and everything we need him to be. But don't forget that he also leads us to the truth. Satan is defeated. He's stripped of power. We sometimes give him a foothold into our lives by making bad choices and by also by not knowing the truth. That's also how he gets into our lives. So Jesus said, the truth will set you right, free. So what is the truth? I'm glad you asked, because I was thinking about that this week too. The truth will set me free. What is the truth? Well, here is the truth, according to this, this little chunk of Scripture in Colossians, that we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But despite all of that, we are loved by a great God, even though He knows every nasty thing about us. He, is, he has forgiven all of our sin. He has removed all 
all our spiritual debt. Our record has been wiped clean. The enemy has been beaten. Jesus is the victor. We no longer need to live with shame or condemnation for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we are free and alive in Christ. That we have His presence here with us and one day we will be with Him forever. Even death has been defeated. Even the fear of death has been defeated. We don't need to fear what comes when we close our eyes for the last time. For He is waiting for us on the other side. To be absent from the body means that we will be present with the Lord. That there is no more fear left. It has been defeated. I have met many people who are afraid to die. Many. Christians sometimes. They're not free and they don't get this truth. The writer of Hebrews says he has set us free even from the fear of dying. Do you understand? Even from the fear of dying. It's not a part of who we are. This, the, the, you know, when we say death has been defeated, we say that, you know, and it sounds great, maybe good preaching, but it's true today. Death has been defeated. And you don't need to fear it anymore. It's like Paul says in Corinthians, right? He says, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The stinger has been removed. The teeth of the fake lion has, have, have been kicked out. He's nothing but an imposter who, who huffs and puffs but doesn't have the power to blow our house down anymore. This is who we are in Christ, right? Uh, I've got I to wrap up here, but put up for me 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, stay alert, watch out. I just, I, I, I got a kick out of this this week. I'm just sharing this with you, okay? This, this one's for free. It has, stay alert. It's all for free unless you gave something in the offering, I guess. But anyway, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, okay? He prowls around. He prowls around, I want you to not miss that word, like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He prowls around like a roaring lion, but that lion has no claws and has no teeth. He has been defeated. He's been kicked in the mouth. His weapons have been removed. There is only one lion, one true lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Come on now. And his name is? That's who the lion is. He pretends to be one. But he's a joker. And he's a loser. And it's time that you stop giving him power over your life. You are in Christ. He forgives all of your sins, Paul says. He cancels all of your debt. And he has defeated the enemy. He has defeated death. He has defeated even the fear of dying. Understand that it is yours in Christ. You become a part of him. You were buried with him, raised with him. You are in Christ today. You have everything in Christ today that he says you have. And we live our lives so short of everything that God says we can have.
So when we ask the question, is there more than this? We walk around struggling and in pain and frustrated and life hits us and we have ups and downs and things that we can't figure out and you come home from work and you sit in your chair and you go, is this all there is? And the answer is no. There's an awful lot more. And it's time that we started receiving it and believing it and living it out. See, believing it is always the first step. When you believe it, then you start to receive it, and then it starts to impact how you live. See, when you walk out and you say, I am a child of the Most High, all of my sin has been forgiven. All of my debt has been canceled. The enemy is defeated. I can live free. I am a victor in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. And it's time that we start to live up to who we are in Christ rather than live down to who we used to be. And we get stuck in this middle ground of mushy, nasty, sometimes we feel good and sometimes we don't. And there is more. And it's time that we began to experience more freedom, more life. He says, I have come to give you life, right? And life more, right? So why should we settle for anything less? He wants to give it to us now. It is victory now. The kingdom is now in that sense. He is with us now, right? Oh, I just gave you a hint of what I'm thinking about for the fall. The kingdom. It's now, but not yet. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. I've got to save, save my ammo for that one. But this is, <coughs> this is excuse me, really powerful stuff if you get it in your brain and believe this. 